It's Tuesday. It's stoppage time here on the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. This, Ryan Chapman, that, Todd Lizabee. Todd, hi, hello, my Listen, friend. Listen, I've got the magic spray. Oh, yeah, huh? i got to make sure. <laughs> got the hey, magic spray. Is the mic up and running? Is it, the mic good? Is. is the mic working? Well, you know who needs the magic spray right now? Arsenal fans on their brains. Because yes, they do. It's, it's been a bad couple of weekends. We had the debates. Yep. Point gained, two points lost at Anfield. And frankly, Todd, that doesn't really matter because when you throw away another 2-0 lead and end up drawing once against a mid-table side in Liverpool, I feel like that was lost in everything as I know it's Anfield, but that's still a mid-table Liverpool. Right. This is relegation fodder West Ham that uh, Arsenal was unable to finish off. Saka and, had- and quite frankly, in both matches, Ryan, Liverpool and West Ham, could have been worse. Yeah, it could like have West been. West Ham had some chances late, and, and while Liverpool really dominated possession and West Ham didn't, West Ham did create more shots in that match against Arsenal, Yeah, which I, is kind of crazy. I think the big difference in those is having the missed penalty is the extra right. uh, kick in the nads to Arsenal. Saka, put, he saw what Mo Salah was doing. He said, that guy's going places. If he's going to sky <laughs> things as far to the left as possible, I should do that. But I, I'm just really curious. This is kind of where I wish uh, maybe one of us were more of an Arsenal fan or something like that because uh, I'm curious. It seems like coming out of the Liverpool match, from what I could tell on, like, talk sport, things like that, a lot of the vibes were we weren't supposed to be here. Everything's still in front of us. Stay positive. It's a young group, all of that. From the interactions I had on Sunday, the Arsenal fan base, a little lashing out, not at their own side, but uh, – Anyone else who tries to talk anything about Arsenal, they very quickly uh, become the, we're in second, we're in third, blah, 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 what are you doing? And I was just like, okay, I'm not talking about my club. I'm talking about what the hell's happened the last two weeks with you guys. Yeah, it's been, uh, they've capitulated, as we like to say, in both matches when they've been up 2-0. And we've seen it looks like the pressure is getting to them. And not just on the pitch, like Arteta looks nervy on the sideline. The fans obviously are nervy, and understandably, right? It's a position they haven't been in in a long time. Some Arsenal fans ever that yeah. are new to the sport, that are new to the to following Arsenal, or that are young, they don't know what this feels like. And in the in the moments in which Arsenal is capitulating and they are starting to make mistakes, you look over at the other side and Man City are playing their best football of the season. Now, all that said, Arsenal can still get a draw at the Etihad and still have their own destiny in their hands, you know, assuming they don't slip up before that match. So it's not like Arsenal are dead, but right now uh, Arsenal may not be dead, but they're in the horror movie running around and Man City are holding a hatchet running after them, and it doesn't look like they have anywhere to go. Yeah, and I think, too, the important context of this is they're still essentially a month and a half, two months of the Premier League season, for City to continue this form, that means that they're going to have run off basically 15 or 16 wins on the bounce. Remember, they got two legs with Real Madrid likely yeah, coming up as well. Which, as good as City have been, and this is not a negative City comment, in the Premier League, that's damn hard to do, is mm-hmm. to be sure. perfect for, for that long. But we've seen Pep City do that before, right? And, and I, think the, I think the big thing looming over this is still just... Arsenal don't look like a side that are suddenly going to find a way out of this tailspin unless maybe they get a big result against City. And if they don't get that, 
then maybe City don't have to be perfect the rest of the way because Arsenal still have some landmines out there against clubs with talent that aren't any good right yeah, now. Yeah, I think, you know, as, a, as a, a City supporter, there are nine matches left for City. Is it nine or eight? I can't remember if there's 29 or 30 played at this point. But I think City are going to drop points in one more match. Probably just one. It may be a loss. It may be a draw. But City are going to drop points, which means, you know, Arsenal, if they don't drop points in every other match except for City, they're going to be just fine. But I think Arsenal are also going to drop points. It's it's irrational to think that they're both going to win every match except for when they play each other. Yeah, and just here's the run-ins. There are some minefields in there for both. Arsenal have got Southampton, City, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, Forest, Wolves. and so Nobody there, wants to play Brighton where, yeah, right now. In there, City, obviously, duh. Newcastle, top four. Brighton have been incredible. Chelsea are so bad, but I, I think it's one of those things where everyone's looking with one eye just like, please don't be the day that you guys show up and just sure. get it wrong. They have talent, right? Yeah, like, don't. this is the day that if Nogolo Conte goes out there and shuts everything down, maybe it's a draw. Drop two points against a team that's been awful. And oh, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, I think Arsenal drew against Southampton in the reverse fixture earlier yeah. this year. So then for City, you flip that over. Arsenal, Fulham. Fulham's not a walkover. Is that at the Etihad or do we know? I can uh, find that out. Yeah, I, I don't have that in front of me. I'm going off of the lovely graphic that our good friend Matt Burton put out. Follow the soccer show at Soccer Show 1077 on Twitter for his phenomenal content. He's been uh, the biggest signing of the year so far for us. See, also if West Ham, we just saw what West Ham could be. Leeds, you never know what Leeds shows up. Is it the Leeds that that puts you on the rack pressing, or is it the one that just absolutely gets walloped by Liverpool? Everton, which is not a match that you go, oh my gosh, it's Everton, but where the They're placement not be of that safe. is yeah. with three games left. And that's it, so a, go go ahead, I'll let you finish up yeah. the schedule. Chelsea, I I think weirdly, this is an easier fixture for City than it is Arsenal because by that point. Uh, with just a couple matches left, I think Chelsea will be fully in one, two, three Cancun mode to, mm-hmm. to dip into NBA. Uh, whereas the Arsenal match still means a little bit, especially for like Frank Lampard being in charge. He might not get any response out of the dressing room, but he'll at least go in there and be like, "Boys, this one means something." Right. And then Brentford to close, which nobody wants to play Brentford if they're firing to try to get to Europe. Yeah, and for the record, the uh, the road, the away matches, Fulham. Craven Cottage is going to be a tough place to take three points yeah. from. Uh, Everton, which City have notoriously had poor form over the years at Goodison Park. And the last one is Brentford. Like, those are three sneaky, tough places when you need to get three points, when you're not just looking at going in and getting a result, when you need to get three points. And we've seen City, you know, in the past, they have shipped goals sometimes out of nowhere and then find themselves with an uphill battle against not only 11 who are packing it in, but a crowd that they've got behind them as well. It's tough to do on the road. The one thing I will point out, and we talked last time about kind of this hybrid role that John Stones has gone in for City. One of the other big things, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but they are undefeated since Ruben Diaz has come back into the lineup. I think having him in uh, central defense has really kind of calmed them defensively, and it feels like not only Ake, but Akanji also really play well off of him. Kyle Walker's kind of been the odd man out, and I would expect him to continue to be, except for in rotation-type matches. And I you know, I think that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. Why were there some dips in form from City? Well, they lost Ruben Diaz 
as one of their best central defenders. And as we talked about with Calvin Phillips hurt, it was all Rodri, all Rodri, all Rodri in central defense as well, central defensive midfield. So now you've got no depth. You've got your best defender in Diaz out. And City gave up a lot of goals because of that and didn't hold near enough possession because of that. Now you're seeing them do neither of those things, uh, give up goals or give up possession. So it's we'll see, though. It's... And like I said, you got to throw in two matches against Real Madrid midweek, and you're going to have to field your best 11. You're not yeah. going to win 4-0 in leg one against Real Madrid. Yeah, and so, and I think that the, the health point's important for City because also, like, you look at Arsenal, this is something I don't think a lot of people are talking about or they're talking about enough, which is a disservice to what Arsenal are doing right now is that last couple of weeks, no Saliba, who's just been a rock, Zinchenko not out there against West Ham, right? And so... All of this to say, Arsenal fans, if you feel like the sky is falling, I get it, mainly because that's the the narrative elsewhere and around, and I I would pick City to win the title, things like that, but there are a couple more twists and turns in this title fight to go. I think we are far from over, which is why I'm so excited about it, which is why I'm so excited to lead off two straight midweek pods with hey, here's a huge turn in the title race that, mm-hmm. that's happened. Just because for, for me, with with my club playing for nothing, te- technically at the time of this recording, it's 1.24 p.m. on Tuesday. Technically stuff could still happen at Stanford Bridge. It will not. So with my club playing for nothing, <laughs> uh, a fun title race is, is like what I'm getting out of this Premier League season as a soccer fan. Sure. Well, and also one other thing for Man City, they have the makeup match with Brighton as well. Yeah. And and originally when I thought about that, it looked like that was going to be ske- – and it still could be, assuming City advanced to the Champions League final, that match is going to be – and assuming they advance to the FA Cup final as well. I actually don't think that matters. But that match is likely going to be midweek before the final weekend. Yeah. So you've got to go to Brighton, then go to Brentford in the span of four days. And A, that's not easy to do. B – Brighton may be in a, a race for Europe at that point, right? Bo- both Which, of them. Yeah, both of them might be. So it's not like you'd find them mid-table with not much to play for. They may literally have a lot to play for. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting down the stretch. I don't think it simply comes down to that match on April 26th between Man City and Arsenal, especially if there's a draw. Right. But if one side gets three points, it's huge advantage to them. Right now I think everyone agrees that it's advantage City just on their current form and Arsenal's current form. If Arsenal go into the Etihad and, and pull out a 2-1 win, it's huge advantage Arsenal again. So yeah. it's that's we, we talked about it last week about how maybe we were talking about this. Uh, no, we were talking about this on the air, about how Brighton was a betting favorite to win over Chelsea this weekend. Right. And remember, when you bet soccer, you're betting win for Brighton, win for Chelsea, or draw. Yeah. And that's what made it so infuriating for me. Exactly. And what what I think also makes soccer so interesting, and I know a lot of American sports fans don't like ties or draws, but there's not just two different ways that the Man City Arsenal narrative can go after that match. There's three different ways. Yeah. An Arsenal win, a City win, or a draw. And a draw puts kind of the pressure on both of them to go out and perform week in and week out and doesn't give anyone a little bit of a cushion. So it's going to be really, uh, really interesting. And, you know, I'm. I think a lot of people forget about this. That's a midweek match, too. Yeah. That's yeah. that's next Wednesday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I would imagine uh, I would imagine my son Ben, who I pick up from school on Wednesdays and we usually go get snow cones, is going to be a little disappointed that we don't go get one next Wednesday, but yeah. I might do a Tuesday, Thursday kind of around it to make yeah, him happy. to make him happy. And 
I we think, might go buy a post-match snow cone. Yeah, I was about get to win. say, there might be a celebratory snow cone. Um, you need to go with like a Godzilla or, or something else that's blue, though. A, a nice light blue color on that. Uh, all of that to say, the Arsenal City head-to-head fixture is obviously going to do a lot to shape how this pans out. But I really think, truthfully, neither club are going to have a 100% record the rest of their run I agree. A near 100% record, absolutely, but not a 100% record. And frankly, Todd, I think the difference might be in the landmines that lay out there for both clubs. I truly think the the decider in the title might be someone goes and lays an egg and draws. The other team lays their egg and loses. And that could be the difference here over the last month and and a half, two months. One of the other interesting things, too, that uh, is worth noting, and the only other time I think this has happened in my lifetime, and I think in the modern-day Premier League was in 2012, is it could come down to goal difference. And City Mm -hmm. have the goal difference advantage, and it doesn't look like they're going to lose that. I think they've got a nine-goal advantage right now in goal difference. So likely City are going to have the goal difference as well. So that gives them almost a half-game lead on Arsenal. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch, and I'm with you. I think both of them are going to slip up because for Man City, as important as it would be to win the title, they don't want to slip up in the Champions League. Yeah. Much more than they care to not slip up in the league. You can make that up in the league. You know, the other team might slip up too. Right now, Man City fans, even though the treble is on, if you told them, hey, Champions League and Arsenal win the league, they'd go, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of where they're at as a uh, franchise right now. For the next couple of weeks, starting today, City fans are like, Chelsea, fig- figure your crap out. Figure it out. Figure it out in the next two weeks. And then lose it. And then fall back off the cliff. <laughs> That's and right. Then lose it. And then fall back off Speaking the cliff. Speaking of Chelsea, and again, not to make this about our two clubs, but Chelsea and Real Madrid playing in the Champions League just minutes after we podcast this today, after we record it. You'll hear it after the game goes final, more than likely, or during the match. But uh, how about Todd Bowley making the news, going into the locker room and giving them a little what for? Yeah, that was so. If you Keppa Aretha Balaga, the Chelsea goalkeeper, was like, "Hey, Todd Bowley, come into the dressing room, say what's up." Not uncommon. He's at a ton of the games. Um, Frank Lampard had a comment that was kind of made fun of, which I totally understand why it was made fun of. Where Frank Lampard said that was a criticism levied against Abramovich in the later years. And I know a lot of people pointed to Frank, the reason he couldn't come to the games is because he's barred from the UK because right, of the sanctions, right, right. which is true, and it's funny, and those are good tweets. But before that, also, some people who may not be keeping up on the goings-ons of Roman Abramovich, there was some permitting stuff with the UK government before any of this happened, like a year and a half before any of the the invasion and, and the sanctions and all that, where uh, Abramovich basically wasn't given a some kind of permit. That's why Chelsea's... Stadium plans were put on hold, a big reason why, and uh, Aramich was not coming to the games as often, things like that. And so that, on one hand, not uncommon, but it sounds like he ripped into him, and <laughs> there's anonymous reporting that he shredded into one of a, a veteran player who was a marquee signing this summer for not giving a ton of effort at training and being a no-show during games. A lot of people... and. and when you kept narrowing it down, it was someone that was in the match day squad against Brighton. Well, the summer signings, really, Raheem Sterling was the only one that it could be. And Raheem Sterling does not get the start today against Real Madrid. Uh, trouble in paradise for someone that I've been frustrated with his results, but I've always liked Raheem Sterling, the player. So uh, that has not gone well. No, it has not gone well. And listen, I, I think, uh, I don't know, do you, 
when you look at Todd Bowley now, having had the experience as a Chelsea fan for, what are we, two, three months, I guess January, so four months in, right? Because he took over during the January transfer window? Well, he, t- he took over officially in, like, last May. Oh, was it was it last May? Yeah, because okay. the summer spending spree was still bowling. Because remember, he was okay, the, he yeah, was the yeah, interim. That's right. That's right. That's the right. Interim sporting director after he fired everybody. That's right. I just yeah. January just got so wild. Correct. I just feel like that's where it started. Right. Correct. That's where the spending spree at least started. Really bad spending spree. Yes. It's like a little retail therapy he yeah. had in January. Well, the funny thing is, in January, that was allegedly the dual sporting directors that were put in. When Stanley from Brighton and Vivelle from the Red Bull setup, they were the ones kind of right. spearheading that. And then in summer, it was Yolo Todd. That's where you get uh, the Cucurea. That's where you get the Koulibaly, um, Sterling. All of that was YOLO, bowl, just let Bully cook. Well, what just in general, what is your, what's your feel as a Chelsea supporter of Todd Bowley's Chelsea? Uh, th- this club is not the club I started supporting, truly. It, it does not feel like it. Um, never going to say no to the money or anything like that. And that's never been like... As long as I've known Chelsea, they've had money, they've spent money aggressively, you can make fun of Chelsea for being awful and all that stuff, and I'm just like, cool, fine, whatever. Uh, We probably have a nicer trophy cabinet over the last 15 years than anyone lobbying that against us, so I'm fine. It's just the, the, the club culture, which after Lampard and Drogba and Terry, those guys had, had left, it went to this weird spot of, is it going to be the same kind of figures in the dressing room? And it felt like they were going the right direction when they won the Champions League. And now Bowley's coming in, and that just feels nuked. Like, they've got to get someone with a strong personality this summer, and Bowley's got to be more hands-off. And I have no clue if that started this January or, or whatever, but... Um, it's been very frustrating, just the, the culture. It, it doesn't feel like the Chelsea that I support. And a lot of my friends that we had plans on going on this summer tour, I was talking to some guys today, and they were like, if they don't have a clear direction, I don't want to spend my money for Todd right, Bowley. Right. And that and that's just a, a huge 180 from where we even were last summer. We were happy to go to Vegas and, and watch uh, Chelsea play Club America and just be like, yeah, our club is in, in the States. Yeah, I just... I don't know. Obviously, you want someone that will spin, and Chelsea fans, I think, obviously want that because Roman Abramovich spoiled him in that way. He, like you said, he did a lot of things wrong, but he always spent. He always, he always tried, right? He never penny pinched, which I think you'll find way more fans in England complaining about their clubs penny pinching than spending too much. Um, I don't know. It just feels like, and we've we've had these discussions off the air. It feels like they're a little bit in the place that Man United were in, where they're just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, hoping something sticks, and. I don't know if it's Todd Bowley's lack of soccer acumen or football acumen. I don't know if it's if it's a deeper culture problem at the club. I don't know if it's just constantly getting the wrong manager because I do think they have talented players. It just feels like they are not a sum of all their parts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it feels well, like they're just a bunch of individuals that are good, talented players that they throw out just a random 11 every week and just go, oh, maybe maybe this week is the week we all figure well, it out. And, and there's been so much turnover from the backroom staff to the ownership to the coach to the coach again to the coach again, uh, just under the Bully era, right, that I don't really blame any of these players for being like, there is no club culture because everyone that was here 12 months ago in the backroom, they're all gone. The coach in the dugout has been fired twice. New Two new coaching staffs brought in because Lampard brought in his own – Staff and and so I don't blame any of those guys. Like 
why am I going to suddenly buy into Frank Lampard and his coaching staff other than I want to be at Real Madrid once I know that these guys are going to be gone and it's going to be Nagelsmann or Enrique or somebody else, whoever it ends up being, it's hard to really blame the players, frankly. Sure. And so there needs to be frankly. the clear out, all that stuff. Frankly. frankly I see what indeed. you did there. Frankly, indeed. I see Here, what you did. Here's the one thing I will say, though, is I'd rather be frustrated with Todd being over-involved than what some of our other friends at Premier League clubs of American owners who feel like they don't care. It's just a something to have in the portfolio. You know what I mean? And so um, I would rather be working through someone that's actively trying to make the club better and is making bad moves than someone who's like, we don't care. We don't show up to matches. We don't spend any money. We don't have any relationship with over there. It is literally just a, I own part of this club or that club. Speaking of which, uh, it sounds like the Glazers are going to keep Manchester yeah. United, huh? Yeah. That whole thing's been a, can we cuss on this? It's been an S show. We'll just well, say that. I I think a lot of it has been, everyone was like, Chelsea got a good deal through. What is my club worth? Not what I want? All right, cool. Never mind. Right. I think Fenway Sports Group's doing the same thing right now with Liverpool. Sure. Now, did you see the uh, did you see the Finnish guy that pulled out of the bidding? Yeah, Ziliakis, I think is his name. Uh, he six billion is what he bid on the club. Just, I just think just a cool six bill. Did he say six bill cash too? Uh, yes. <laughs> Which no, is... no, no. Sorry, six bill is what the Glazers have valued the club at. Okay. Here's what he said about the process. Quote, I've decided not to participate in the third round. The bidding has turned into a farce in which the Glazers, at the expense of the club, focus purely on driving up the bid to the six billion pounds they want for the club. He says they have three serious bids on the table. Sheikh Jassim, that's the Qatari bid, right? Yeah. Jim Ratcliffe's and mine. The right way would be to negotiate with us three, not to ask everyone each to submit one more bid. So basically what he's saying is this whole thing is a a huge farce, right? Yeah. The whole process is. So, um, yeah, I I don't know about the future of Manchester United. I think on the pitch it's mixed results. Well, I think if they... They're going to be in the Champions League next year, it looks like, which is a huge win. And I think if you would have told any United supporter that in December, they'd have gone, hell yeah, give me that. Yeah, and I think if they just continue to back Ten Hag, I think Ten Hag has shown, have the results... We wax and wane. Sure, I don't think that United has a ton of depth because of some of the misspending they've right. had, like some quality depth as do far you, as that Do you goes. know what is the United kind of wet dream at this point? It's you've already won the Carabao Cup, beat City in the finals of the FA Cup. Yeah. And then, like what's crazy, United could also win a treble. Yeah. No, they could win sure. in Europa League as well. And that would be, you know, it'd be a weird treble. I don't think it, it's a treble we've ever seen before, it'd be right? Weird. It'd be weird. But, but it, they could also win three trophies this year. So, um, and they are they are perfectly capable of that. They have enough talent to do that. Well, and and really for that for me, if I'm a United fan, I'm sitting there going, stuff in the midfield, sure. But if you can get Victor Osimhen and you can move Rashford back out to the wing mm-hmm. and play those two together, then I feel great about where that sure. club's going. Like, well, and they're they're not going to stop attracting big name talent because exactly. they're Manchester United. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let's talk about Liverpool real quick before we kind of move on to some other things. Liverpool with a nice win over Leeds. Klopp said it's the best they've played all year. You and I were talking before we started podding today. It's like Liverpool save up their goals yeah. and just they're like, let's use them all right now. Which, I that would be, first off, that would be a frustration I would welcome at this point with right, how things have right. gone for me personally. But You're like, I just want to see six goals in a month. I, that would be incredible. <laughs> that would be unbelievable. Um, 
I'm just curious if that is frustra- more frustrating or more of like a, no, we've been incredibly injured. We still have the quality. Dear God, just get this team into the summer where they can go into a preseason, not worry about the injury crisis from this last year, continue to gel, go away from the country for a couple of weeks, and just kind of have that good vibes, fountain of youth type thing. Because uh, I, I think that of all of the bigger clubs that are off in the wilderness this season, Liverpool by far most likely to pop back up and immediately be fighting hard in that top four race next year. Yeah, no doubt. Now, the the question is, A, uh, I feel like we're talking about college football right now, but squad retention, right? Yeah. Are you going to have guys who want to get out and play in Europe well, because you're not going to be playing there next year? Yeah, Bobby Chompers already entered the portal. Bobby Chompers has already entered the portal. He's looking for the highest bid in NIL. <laughs> uh, but then the second thing is, can you attract talent without having European football to attract them. And I think Liverpool have made some really good spins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've they've obviously gone into places like the Eredivisie and into some of those second-tier Bundesliga clubs to maybe pluck some talent out of there with the thought of, hey, you're going to get a much bigger contract than you are currently getting. We know that you're a bit of a project, but also you've got this year to play nothing but league and domestic cup football to figure it out. And we're Liverpool. We're going to be back in the Champions League soon, and you will get to play. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, they, they've kind of already fallen out of the race, it sounds like, for uh, Jude Bellingham. Yeah, but I think they're going to come swoop through. Uh, Liverpool have been really heavily linked with Mason Mount, who mm-hmm. I think would be just awesome for what Klopp does. Also been linked with, like, Connor Gallagher, um, two Chelsea midfielders. Uh, Gal- I, I think Gallagher at a top club's a squad rotation piece. I, I haven't sat down and just really looked long and hard at, at Liverpool squad. Like, they can might get Mason Mount. I, I think that's perfect for what Klopp wants. He's had an off year for Chelsea, but I think he's had an off year for Chelsea because he basically played every match available between Chelsea and England for the last two and a half right, years right. in the most congested county we've ever had right. in the sport. It looks like, I think City are probably the favorites to land Bellingham, Yeah, at least in, in England, if he doesn't go to Real Madrid or something like that. And then... Uh, the last I've read, it sounds like Arsenal are probably the favorites to land Declan Rice this summer. So yeah. I do think some of those clubs are going to get richer. It just will be interesting with Liverpool, you know. And Casado's still going to be out there at Brighton. Who right. Brighton have allegedly from January, what they were reporting around that was they've pledged that we will let you go to a big club. It's just not going to be in January. So that, frankly, if you can bargain down that price a little bit, then you might end up saying you got someone that's just industrious to help cover the defense without having to really, really splash. It may not be the sexiest thing, but we've seen those work out plenty of times. No doubt. It's going to be a fun offseason for sure because you do have two clubs in Liverpool and Chelsea that have money to burn. They have money to spend, but they don't have European football to attract players. Yeah, And, I and think, then you may have a club like Brighton who doesn't have that much money but may have European football to attract somebody. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think the thing also, you, what Newcastle does this summer yeah, is going to be fascinating. Will, will Newcastle ever kick it up a little yeah, bit? Is, yeah. uh, I think the thing you hit on the most, though, is that it's still Liverpool and it's still Klopp. So yep, if, if those sure. two things are still paired together, that's going to be very attractive for anyone, Europe or no, for one year let's head over to the national team side of things bad news for a couple of bits of bad news we're going to start on the women's side of things this is something that hand up i'm an idiot i've meant to bring this up for like a billion straight shows since it happened but really unfortunate to see mallory swanson go down for the u.s women's national team um while it's good vibes with like julie Ertz coming back in and she's signed for angel city to get some more matches ahead of the world cup this summer mal swanson 
man, she's just been on an absolute tear, scoring goals for fun. And so to see her go down with that injury, um, chances for Rodman to come in, chances for Alyssa Thompson, some really, really young U.S. Women's National Team stars. But as someone that I've, I've always loved Mallory Pugh, and it's just become Mallory Swanson, if you know me, Braves fan, Dansby Swanson. Like, it's just been this whole big mix of, of course I love this couple and want them to succeed. And, and so someone that's been on fire for the women's national team goes down, that's tough. Someone that's been just a fun personality that I've followed, that's tough as well. I'm just super bummed out by it. But excited for the Women's World Cup that we'll be able to cover this summer. Yeah, it is going to be an interesting one because in Australia, New Zealand, you're talking about matches starting anywhere from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Yep. Uh, so you're going to have to – it's going to be sponsored by Red Bull, I think, for me, yeah. or Monster Energy. Um, no, I, I – the Women's World Cup is a lot of fun, and it's a lot – it's it's interesting to be a U.S. fan because you go into the men's national team with their World Cup, and you're like, we're the plucky underdogs. Maybe <laughs> right. we can steal a point here against yeah. big, mighty England, you know. And you go into the Women's World Cup, and it's like, come on, everyone, give yeah. us your best shot. Well, it's, you know? it's the you're looking over your shoulder a little bit to be like, so it's like you feel like at some point the world's gonna catch up to the development, but you felt like that for the last three or four World Cup yeah. cycles. The U.S. Win have still been like, that's cute, right? We're gonna dominate, which well, is fun and, to watch. And I will say, it has gotten deeper. Um, it, I still think the U.S. is at the top of that yeah, list, but 100%. it has there. There are more teams. You know, in the past, there were literally like three teams in the tournament that had a chance. Yeah. And there are more teams that can get a result against the U.S. women's national team than before, but it we still will be heavy favorites in that one. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get that going. It is interesting, though, with Swanson, you it sucks. And, you know, Daryl D.K. suffered the same fate back in 2022, and we're going to talk yeah. about him having some more unfortunate luck here in a minute. But it's amazing how much the story of these – athletes careers in soccer are affected by when their injuries happen right just, i mean just timing and it's the same with like an olympic athlete yeah bad timing with an injury you don't get to do it again next year you yeah. gotta wait four more years and while i don't think you can have a world cup every year or every two years i like that it's every four years i always feel terrible yeah. for those people that have those injuries and have to you know miss something they've waited their whole life for because especially like you think about in soccer, I mean, what's your career arc from like ages twenty three to thirty, probably? Yeah, that's if, your prime. If the World Cup falls when you're twenty six, you may be too young the first time, get hurt in the middle one, and then be too old the last time. Well, that, so that it was, really so if you're gonna have a kid that's gonna be good at soccer, schedule their birth around the World schedule Cup. Schedule it. Schedule <laughs> it properly. That's something that we talked about forever with the men's team. It felt like uh like Fabian Johnson, by the time he broke onto the scene, next World Cup, he's now thirty. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and, and just really unfortunate there. Um, it's not like the others, like you mentioned. Like the one that I go back to is always baseball. So when the Braves won the World Series, Ronald Cunha Jr. had torn his ACL. But what did he get to do the next year? Rehab, come back in, chase it again. Last year he didn't feel 100%. What's he yeah. doing this year? Right. Leading the charge for, for right. the team this year to, to chase everything. If, if that were the World Baseball Classic, he'd have to wait and wait and wait and wait. And it just, it just sucks. And speaking of stuff that sucks – Another unfortunate injury for Daryl DK. He's going to be out six to nine months. Not nice. That that was put out there. Uh, this one, the Achilles, correct? Because it was the patellar tendon for Swanson, the Achilles for DK. And this just sucks again. Because we talked about, you, you mentioned it, 
that his summer where he had played really well, kind of in that Gold Cup when when Burhalter was having to bounce the the Nations League and the Gold Cups, so he was using basically two different rosters. Then he got hurt and was never even able to get back healthy enough to have a real chance to make a run right. at the World Cup team. And and now it you're not looking at World Cup, but with Nations League again coming up, Gold Cup coming up. Copa America, all in the next two or three years, being able to get in at the ground level with whoever the new permanent manager is, DK probably not going to have that opportunity now. Yeah, it it does. It's a bummer. I mean, there's no really other way to say it. It's a bummer, and it's one of those things that just, it happens. And, uh, you know, I I hope the best for him. I hope that this isn't Achilles injury. Sometimes can be career enders if they don't heal correctly. I hope he heals up correctly. Look, he's, I do think it's interesting you know, and this is a whole other topic that we'll get into some other time, I'm sure, that you and I will probably talk about off-air. But it's interesting how the athlete, just the athlete in general, looks so much different than they did 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Erling Holland looks different than strikers in the 1980s, 1970s, 1990s even. If, right? If you put Peter Crouch, who I know is an outlier, but still, Peter Crouch and Erling Holland right next to each other in the street, yeah, I'd be like... That guy plays basketball. Look right. at Peter Crouch. Exactly, you know I mean? exactly. And the same happens in other sports like basketball. And you know, for a guy like DK, he is he is a different size of athlete. Like DK could play football right now. Yeah, Daryl DK could. And so, in a sport Land that requires football, not proper football, right? In a court, in a sport that requires so much running, so much uh, you know strength in your legs, and so much flexibility in your legs for athletes like him. You know, I wonder if we maybe are at the beginning of kind of that medical, like, hey, those guys are going to get hurt more, and we're going to have to adjust over time how we use them, how we train with them. We're seeing it in the NBA, right, with load management. Well, this is something that I've said for a while. It's not like an original idea. It's also not backed by science. This is Ryan Junk science. Look at, in the NFL, J.J. Watt. He was such a just predator as far as the size he played at, but also being that explosive, Mm -hmm. that fast, that quick, all that. And he obviously had a checkered injury history, and while that's not his fault, part of me wonders, are we reaching a point that we have been able to engineer the human body as far as we know so much about nutrition and you need to eat this much protein in your diet and all that stuff, that the human body is now so much larger and more explosive than it ever was for thousands of years that we're going to have more injuries, things like that. Is, is it's it almost adjusts. like our science is ahead of the evolution yeah, of the human body. Which is a very And weird, I know evolution is science, and now we're getting really weird, but you know. It's it's a whole it's a whole thing that I, I and if would— And we, if we say evolution one more time, Ryan Walters is going to have this podcast it's, canceled. It's woke up with us every Saturday morning, <laughs> uh, which we will, by the way— 9 to 10 a.m. this Saturday. I know this is a weird spot to put this in here, but 9 to 10 a.m. this Saturday so we can fit the soccer show in with our Oklahoma Spring Game coverage, yep. just so that you know. Just so that you know. Hey, real a weird quick. sidebar, I'd love to have like an actual doctor on at some point in the summer outside of World <laughs> Cup stuff to like do this instead of Todd and Ryan junk science, but here we go. Real quick, before we end, I just want to give you a few crazy Erling Holland stats is yes. Erling Holland now has 47 goals real quick before we do that season yeah I, we won't spend a ton of time on this because again by the time you listen to this the Champions League ties on oh yeah Tuesday right. will be gone yeah Chelsea eliminated yeah uh, Chelsea are down 2-0 <laughs> on aggregate and they, they might be down 2-0 by the time uh they, you even start to upload this they need two goals <laughs> and their grand solution was to roll out Kai Havertz once again 
It's fine. Cool. And Connor Gallagher. That's the front two for Chelsea. So that's all you need to say there. Uh, the Napoli other match Milan is the interesting today, one. Napoli Milan. I thought it was really interesting. I was looking at some of the like 538 stats and stuff like that. Napoli coming into this down 1 0 on aggregate. Still one of the highest percentage teams to go through right up there with Madrid and City. I think Milan get it done, personally. I mean, I think Milan are, I think we're going to get a Milan derby in the uh, in the semis on the other side of the bracket. I just, I don't know, something something about the way their last two performances against Napoli have gone, a 4-0 yeah. and a 1-0, it, feel, it feels like they have figured something out when it comes to how they defend Napoli. And I know neither one have been without a true striker up top for Napoli, but... Uh, Osaman, is he back today? Is that uh, official? He's supposed to be back, yeah. Here's I my question, though. Yet. He may be back. Is he going to be 100%? Right. You know, is he going to be rusty? Like, I think I think Milan can set up shop and at least get that to penalties. Here, Here's the other thing, too. We haven't seen Napoli play any of these contests under pressure, really, because in the first leg of the Champions League, they've been really good. And after Juve's points deduction, they've been on easy street. I've right. got officially 1-1 today, which puts Milan through 2-1 on the aggregate tomorrow won't spend a ton of time on it what's just biggest concern for city byron because you're obviously taking injuries injuries yeah <laughs> don't get hurt agreed i do i did see phil foden came back to training i don't think he'll play he may come on as a sub tomorrow i don't think i don't know if he traveled to be honest with you or not but um i know he came back to training today so we'll see i would imagine that alvarez starts up top tomorrow for city that holland gets a rest and then he gets back going uh, for the FA Cup semifinals this weekend, or he may get both games off, truthfully. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not super concerned about that. Again, as we know, English teams going to the Allianz, they can win big matches there. Yes, they, they can. can win big matches there. Uh, and then finally, Inter and Benfica. I still think Benfica have been playing better than Inter, but this is just set up perfectly with that penalty that they got. Uh, Inter on a two-goal lead at home, being able to sit back. I, I think we get... Madrid City, I think we get a Milan Derby, which is not what I had projected. I had I had the exact opposite on the other half of the draw from Madrid and City. I, do you have anything different? No, I think it's the same thing. I think you could get a 1-1 in that match as well with Benfica and Inter, and Inter goes through. I just don't think Benfica can get uh, two goals unanswered. Yeah, That'd be a hell of a turnaround if they could pull it off, though. And they are capable. Yeah. I think it would take some inner mistakes, though, for that to yeah, happen. For sure. For sure, and maybe more Lukaku dramas. It looked like the report today is that he's headed back to Chelsea against his will this summer because Milan can't finance a deal. Anyway, that was bad radio by me. I'm sorry that I didn't. No, you're good. I, that I didn't have a different opinion for you just for talking points as opposed. <laughs> yeah, to what we, we can't be on of. first take or anything like that. All right, let us close with some Holland stats. Top. Yeah, Erling Holland, 32 goals in his first 28 Premier League appearances. He's played in 28 of the 30 matches. That's better than the best Premier League seasons of Luis Suarez, who scored 31 and 33. We're talking full seasons for these Correct. guys. Luis Suarez, Ronaldo, Thierry Henry, Kevin Phillips, Robin Van Persie, Didier Drogba, Les Ferdinand, Ruven Nistelrooy, Romelu Lukaku, Fernando Torres, or Jamie Vardy. None of those scored as much in a season as Holland has done in 28 matches. 32 goals is better than any season that Sergio Aguero also had in the Premier League. Again, in 38 matches, not the 28 that Erling Holland has played. With 47, that's, that's 10 less matches than anyone that played 100%. That's right. With 47 goals, Holland has broken the record for most goals in one season in all competitions by a Premier League player. And remember, he still has possibly eight Premier League matches left. Yeah. He still has possibly four Champions League matches left and possibly th uh, two FA Cup matches left. So you're looking at another possible 14 matches 
to add to that tally. These are football manager or FIFA numbers. Despite having approximately zero chance of adding to his tally of golden boots, distant uh, distant second Harry Kane has already surpassed the Premier League's top goal scorers from 92, 93, 97, 98. 98, 99. This, Harry Kane's done this. Her, Harry Kane. And he's nine goals behind Holland. Again, Harry Kane, having a season for the ages, has no shot. Southampton, Bournemouth, Everton, West Ham, Wolves, Nottingham Forest, Crystal Palace, and Chelsea have scored fewer Premier League goals than Erling Holland has this season. Holland trails his teammates 45. So, yeah, he trails the combined effort of his teammates in the Premier League 45 to 32. <laughs> Holland has more goals in all comps than Chelsea has in all comps too. So you can just yeah, like not just Premier League goals. He has just been better than Chelsea all year long. Holland's goals are coming at a rate of one every sixty-five minutes if he continues, and he plays every remaining minute of the Premier League season. He won't. He would end with forty-five goals. <laughs> Again, the record coming into this year was thirty-two for a thirty-eight game season. That is dumb. And uh, finally, uh, I hope you all got him on your fantasy Premier League teams and captained him always, even when he's not playing. I'm going to give you some names and you tell me if these are all good players or not. You ready? Emmanuel Adebayor, Nicholas Anelka, Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard, Romelu Lukaku, Cristiano Ronaldo, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Youngmin's son, Jamie Vardy, Gareth Bale, Firmino, Mane, Benteke, Eden Hazard. Good players? Yeah. Holland has more career hat tricks than all of them. <laughs> Premier League hat tricks? Premier League hat tricks. In one year. All of them. <laughs> in one year. In eight games. Yeah. He got that in his first eight games yeah. when he got his three, his first three hat tricks. In uh, two months. Yeah. It's crazy. There's a great clip out there if you find it. Pep is talking to him post-match and a camera caught it. And Holland had just scored three in like 60 minutes and been yeah. subbed off. And Holland, I think, said something to him like, why'd you take me off? I wanted to score more. And Pep goes... I scored 11 goals in 11 years. You are unbelievable. And, like, like hits just, him on the back and just like walks just, away. Like, just yeah. stop. Just yeah. stop. Uh, a ton of fun. A ton of fun. The Champions League. We'll recap that this Saturday. It might be at 50 by the time we talk again. Indeed. As well as we will be going on while the games are kicking up, getting going at 9 a.m. Because, like I said, we'll have spring game coverage. So, big day. Uh, I'll be doing some driving on Saturday, which will be totally fine. A lot of fun. Uh, so you can catch us on Saturday, 9 a.m. on 107.7 The Franchise. If you miss any of that, if you're busy running around, the soccer show, if if you're listening to this, you've already found the podcast. So do us a favor. Share it with a buddy. Share it with just with one friend, uh, preferably on Spotify. For It's complicated. Spotify helps us more than Apple Podcasts. Either that one's damn fine. damn Joe Rogan. Either one's fine. But help us with Spotify. Uh, that would be great. Big thanks to uh, Matt Burton, who, as we mentioned, is is uh, in charge of the Soccer Show 107.7 Twitter account. His content's amazing, so go yes. follow us on Twitter, at Soccer Show 107.7. Retweet, share that with your friends as well. We would love to start a nice little community there kind of talking yeah. about soccer. So, yeah, Matt Burton's doing a great job on that. We appreciate him, and we hope our friend Goldfish gets better we do. after being out last weekend. And thanks always, to the Oklahoma City thanks. FC and the Broadway Clinic also. Yep. There has been stoppage time. Look at this, you guys. You're getting almost 45 minutes of bonus content, and we've done this back-to-back weeks because we just can't help ourselves. And, and as we because... finish recording, it's 1.58 p.m., so Ryan is happy for roughly 90 more seconds. Correct. I, I have Well, I've been unhappy since 2 p.m., uh, or since 1 p.m. <laughs> since the lineup dropped. But that's neither here nor there. I hope all your teams win this week, and I hope all your rivals play like Chelsea. We will see you guys on Saturday morning. Have a good one.